0: Survival in Motion Podcast. Learn. Adapt. Prepare. Survive. Hello, everyone. This is author Cal Wilson. Welcome to another episode of the Survival in Motion Podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about what I think should be a giant issue in the survivalist community, namely expat prepping. This is prepping to survive if only the United States goes down the tubes and the rest of the world is okay. And let me address one issue I know that will be on everybody's mind, patriotism. I still love the United States of America. I was born and raised here. There have been July 4th celebrations where I get weepy, see the fireworks and everything. Okay, so I still consider myself a patriot, And I'm happy to spend the rest of my life here in the United States. On the other hand, when I say this, I kind of feel just a certain nostalgia, like I'm talking about a country in the past tense, because I keep feeling that the current United States, a lot of our rights are going right down the tubes. And I'm talking about freedom of speech, not only on social media, the social media types are... Connected with the Democratic Party. So they will censor arguments that go against the Democratic Party, of course. And, and of course, that's the private sector. But it's becoming more and more apparent that just anywhere, forget about social media, just anywhere, you're less free to speak your mind on certain things. So the freedom of speech is being hindered as we speak. The freedom of religion I don't think I need to argue these points because I think it's getting pretty obvious. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion. You're less free to practice your beliefs. The government is more inclined to force you to do things that you consider by your faith to be wrong. And that's not something that the government wants to hear. The government wants to hear, you're being ordered to do this, and so what if it's against your faith? That's The freedom of religion going down the tubes. There's also an unwritten freedom of not being victimized by crime. And like I said, it's unwritten. But this is why we pay our taxes, specifically our local taxes, to fund the local police, who more and more are pretty much just standing by, watching crimes happen right in front of them and not doing anything about it. So, I kind of feel like I love the United States that used to be, and I'm much more guarded looking forward in the future of the United States. So I want to address that issue. Yes, I'm still a patriot, but I think the topics I'm going to be talking about in today's episode are very important, and it's just the survivalist way to consider what happens if things get a whole lot worse here in the United States but most of the rest of the world is okay. And before you think, well, that's an interesting hypothetical, there have been some specific times in the world's history in the past where people have not considered that, and they've paid the price for it. And if I can throw out a couple of scenarios, the Jews in Germany in the 1920s and 1930s and 1940s, Sure. If you could go back in time and talk to a Jewish family in Germany during those decades, you could say, look, I'm from the future, and you guys have no idea what is headed your way. Uh, Rounding up Jews, putting them in train cars, and shipping them off to death camps. Six million Jews were killed in Nazi-occupied Europe, not only in Germany, but all over Europe. I think that was something like two-thirds of the Jewish population in Europe at the time. Those Jews at the time would probably say, oh, come on, I've sensed some anti-Semitism, absolutely, but come on, this is Germany. It's a first world civilized country. Sure, there are some people out there who froth at the mouth, you know, hatred of Jews, but uh, come on, nobody really saw that coming. There were a few Jews who said, you know, I really don't feel right about this. I don't know what's ahead, but uh, I don't like the direction it seems like people are going. There were some Jewish families who said, look at that guy who just, you know, is head of the Nazi party and is getting more and more votes in the the Reichstag. And that guy wrote a book where he pretty much portrayed himself as just a frothing, foaming at the mouth anti-Semite. Yeah, there were some Jews who said, yeah, this doesn't feel right at all. I'm leaving. And a lot of them went to other countries in Europe, which was unfortunate. But anyway, that's one scenario of things getting really bad. And only those who were a little bit more alert or a little bit more paranoid just said, OK, I'm getting out. I'm getting out of here. Another scenario, the Chinese In the late 50s to the mid-70s, there were a number of programs. Uh, First was the Great Leap Forward, followed by the Cultural Revolution. When everything is over and done with, Mao and the people around him are blamed for the deaths of something like 60 to 80 million people. And if you could go back in time to a Chinese person, say, in the mid-50s and just say, look, The future for Chinese people inside China looks just horrendously bad. You need to get out. There might be some skepticism. I really don't think that the average Chinese in that country during that time had any clue that things would get that bad. So that's another example. Today in Venezuela, the socialist leaders of that country and the people around him are becoming amazingly wealthy. But the country as a whole has gone from one of the more wealthy countries in the world to one of the poorest countries in the world. And people are trying to leave Venezuela, but they don't have passports to get out. They don't have visas that will allow them to get out of the country into another country besides these refugee camps along the border. So there are a number of situations in world history where people might not have known how bad things would get in their immediate future. But... They ignored their own paranoia, for lack of a better word. They ignored their own suspicions going forward at their peril. This is an important issue. I mean, until now, on this podcast, we've been assuming, what are we going to do to survive if the whole world at the same time goes down the tubes? How are we going to survive that? And ever since the riots in the United States in the summer of 2020, And continuing on in some cities like Portland, it's made me wonder, how am I going to survive if only the United States goes down the tubes and the rest of the world is okay? I think these are issues we desperately need to at least consider and we need to take seriously. The point is the time to get ready for things that could go wrong only in the United States is before it gets too late. And I'm talking about a second passport that will enable you to leave and or permanent residence visas in other countries that will enable you to, at the border, saying, okay, I'm leaving here and I'm going over there. So that's what I'm going to be discussing in today's podcast. And in the rest of today's episode, I will define various expat avenues, and I will provide many examples some are true and some are fictional, to illustrate the various possibilities of expat prepping. And like I said, I think this is a huge survivalist issue. All right, the first one, citizenship by descent or ancestry. Be aware of whether you have a parent, a grandparent, or in some cases, a great-grandparent, or even further back in some cases, in a foreign country. Then see if that country allows you to be a dual citizenship with the United States. Some countries like Italy and Hungary allow you to go way, way back in your family tree and get citizenship by ancestry. There might be other countries that allow this, you know, more than two or three or four generations back. Those are the only two I know of off the top. Also, Just so you know, hiring a lawyer in that foreign country might be something that becomes necessary. And here's my first example. Again, these examples are just to illustrate what I'm talking about. Example here. Frank had a great-grandfather who was born in Germany, which allows dual citizenship with the United States. A German passport is one of the best passports for worldwide visa-free travel and working and owning property all over Europe, if he so chose. Frank is devoting the next 6 to 12 months of his life, getting birth, marriage, and death certificates and citizenship papers from his great-grandfather on down to him. Then he will mail all this with an application and a $75 fee to the immigration office in Germany in order to get dual citizenship and a passport from Germany. There will be no need to speak German or even go there. So that's the first example. Here's another one. Angelica is a 20-something American woman of Italian descent who has never taken her mother very seriously. Her mother recently became obsessed with Ancestry.com, and I think we've known, at least I've known some people who became obsessed with Ancestry.com. In a recent conversation with her mother, Angelica heard that her great-great-grandmother, and great-great-grandfather were Italian citizens and lived in Italy outside Naples. Angelica has decided to get all the birth, marriage, death, and citizenship records from her great-great-grandparents on down to get a dual citizenship and passport from Italy. Angelica knows that her Italian dual citizenship and passport will enable her to live, work, and own property all over Europe. Angelica is not in a hurry, which is good, because this project will probably take around two years. What about citizenship by marriage? This is self-explanatory. I do have an example here. Jake has married a woman from Russia, and he and his wife have moved to be with his wife's family outside of Moscow. Jake intends to live in Russia only a few years, then move back to the United States with his family. After two years of having to leave Russia and then return with a short-term tourist visa, Jake has applied for and has been awarded a dual citizenship with Russia. I have to note one thing here. I know Jake and his wife, and I consider them good friends, and this is a true story, unlike some of my other examples here today. But becoming a citizen of Russia is not something I would recommend. I'm not judging Jake and his wife. Again, they're good friends of mine. That's just something I would not do myself. All right, here's another avenue of citizenship. And I don't have an example of this, but I thought I should include it just because this is kind of an immigration lesson. This is not legal advice, by the way, but I think not including what I'm about to say would make this podcast today kind of incomplete. So I just want to throw this in. Citizenship by naturalization. This is just a timing thing. If you live in a certain country for a number of years, the shortest amount of time is like three years. The most I've heard is 10 years. Every country has a different amount of time you need to live there before applying for citizenship by naturalization. And of course, there are some other rules besides just living there. But the idea is that once you've lived in a certain country for so many years, the host country realizes, okay, this person is one of us now. He kind of has a sense of loyalty to this country. And also, a citizen of this country is easier to tax. So that's called citizenship by naturalization. And it's basically X number of years when you live there, you can apply as a citizen of that country. I'm shortening this up. There's a whole lot more to it, but basically that's it. A number of years lived there means that you can apply for, and often get granted, a citizenship of different countries. All right, next is citizenship or residency by investment. This is also known in some quarters as the golden visa. So here's how you do it, depending on the country, of course. Deposit money into a bank account, buy government bonds at that country, set up a company and hire a certain number of employees, or buy property in the approved area that has to be worth a certain amount of money, and then get a resident visa and sometimes dual citizenship with another passport. All right, here's my first example of this. Andrew donated $100,000 to the Caribbean nation of St. Lucia, which is interesting because that flag there, if you've ever noticed it, looks like it has the logo of Star Trek in the middle of it. And Andrew then became a St. Lucian citizen. He then got a St. Lucia passport. Andrew then became a citizen of other countries like Georgia and Montenegro and eventually renounced his United States citizenship. He now lives in several places around the world, makes a living online and has several offices outside the United States and pays a cumulative income tax rate of less than 1%. This is the story of Andrew Henderson, founder of Nomad Capitalist. And he also sells a book on Amazon by that same name, Nomad Capitalist. All right. Here's another example. After an annoying encounter with an American timeshare salesman. Alex and his wife got to thinking about investing in a vacation property that will also be a good investment and serve as a plan B residence if the unrest in the United States from the summer of 2020 reappears and gets out of control. After much research, Alex and his wife bought a two-bedroom, one-bath condo in Medellin, Colombia for $150,000 cash. The condo has a beautiful view of Medellin, which is also known as the city of eternal springtime because of the city's year-round mild climate. And yes, this is the former drug place, which is now cleaned up. Purchasing this condo enabled Alex and his wife to get permanent residency visas in Colombia, where they visit twice a year. He and his wife have made many friends in the mostly American and European expat community Of El Poblado, Medellin, Alex and his wife have contracted with a local real estate agent to rent out their condo short-term on Airbnb. Alex and his wife know that if they have to leave the United States in a hurry, there's a chance they will have to wait a few days or weeks until their condo is available for them. But Airbnb income Less management, commissions, and other fees will fully pay off their condo in about eight to 10 years. So that's Columbia. Here's another example. Nearing retirement, Richard and his wife knew that they wanted to retire in a less expensive place than where they currently lived, which was Ventura, California. They flew to Panama, fell in love with the country and the people. They retired and bought a four-acre rundown coffee farm outside Boquete, Panama, which they fixed up. Richard and his wife got permanent residency visas in Panama, which allow unlimited entries and exits. Richard and his wife built a hilltop house next to their coffee farm and lived there on their Social Security plus other pensions for less than $2,000 a month. Recently, they required minor medical services in Panama And they have been impressed with the high quality and low price of the medical services there. But because they are still American citizens, they still travel back to America for Medicare-provided major medical services if they want to. Richard and his wife break even with their four-acre coffee farm, but they see it as a fun hobby, and they say they are now coffee snobs. Remember, Panama is right next to Colombia— which is where the uh, coffee comes that everybody loves. This is the story of Richard Dietrich, who wrote a book about his relocation to Panama. The book is entitled The New Escape to Paradise. All right, here's another example. Through miserly living, good investing, and a few house flips, Amon and Christina realized that they could quit their federal government jobs in America and retire at only 40 years old. After researching the cost of living and quality of life in Portugal, they moved to Lisbon and got Portuguese pensioner's visas. They have two daughters who they have enrolled in Portuguese private schools. They don't own a car or pay rent, but they recently totaled up their monthly expenses for a family of four living in downtown Lisbon, and it totaled about $4,600 a month. They know they could spend much less if they lived further away from Lisbon. They recently bought a 3 bedroom, 2 bath house in Nazaré, Portugal for $190,000 cash, and they are rehabbing it like they did to a few houses in the United States before they retired. It looks like they will soon be able to sell this rehabbed house for a good undisclosed profit. Aman and Christina have not mentioned dual citizenship. But after a few years of living in Portugal and owning property there, they could probably become dual citizens at some point, which would enable them to get Portuguese passports, which are one of the world's best in terms of visa-free travel. This is the story of Our Rich Journey, the YouTube channel run by Aman and Cristina. And they also teach a class on relocating a family to Portugal for $300, and that— is available at OurRichJourney.com. There are two R's there, OurRichJourney.com. All right, here's another example. After graduating from college, Caitlin got a high-paying job with a software company in Silicon Valley, California, but she was amazed at how high the rent was for her very small studio apartment in San Jose, California. When the COVID pandemic hit, Caitlin's boss told her to work from home and only rarely come into the office or be available by phone. After a few months, Caitlin decided to change her legal address to a P.O. box, take her laptop, and move to Costa Rica, where she rents a two-bedroom apartment for about a third of the rent that she paid for her little itty-bitty apartment in Silicon Valley. The time zone is only two hours different from her employer's location, and the internet connection and phone services in Costa Rica are so good that no one knows Caitlin is doing her job from a country 3,000 miles away. Once she was told to attend a meeting in her office in California, so she caught a plane flight to California and made the meeting without anyone knowing her living situation. Caitlin has kept her move a secret, and if anyone asks... She has vowed only to say that she lives in San Jose, which is technically true because San Jose is also the name of the capital city of Costa Rica. Caitlin has had no problems getting a longer-term tourist visa in Costa Rica, and she is making a lot of American friends in the Costa Rican expat community. Caitlin's savings from not living in California while still getting a paycheck from California has enabled her to consider paying cash for a condo or a small house in Costa Rica. She just worries that someday her job will find out where she lives and she will be in trouble, or she will be told that now that the pandemic is over, she will be required to come to the office every day. That's the example of Caitlin, a digital nomad. Okay, I wanted to talk about some good things about traveling overseas, possibly living overseas, or living overseas for a long period of time, or whatever, whatever. Tax residency can be established, and that's way outside the scope of today's episode, but it is possible. You know, the United States has tax treaties with other countries that will greatly reduce the amount of tax you owe because of the time that you spend in this other country. All right. Another thing I wanted to mention, just by virtue of the fact of being overseas and spending a long time there, one thing I noticed is that if you're into business suits, that kind of thing... And shirts and clothing, you can get some great deals overseas. I got a few business suits in Asia, and I even had this fantastic cashmere wool overcoat that I think I paid like three or $400 for. And you don't see those in the United States for less than, say, $3,000. I mean, it was great. The deals you can get on clothing overseas is incredible. It's not exactly related, but I thought I'd throw this in regarding asset protection. The key is to move assets overseas before you get sued. If that's an issue that you're worried about, owning assets that could possibly be attached in a lawsuit, then before you get sued, that's the time to move those assets overseas, whether it's a personal bank account or a trust or a corporation or whatever. That's the main thing. If your assets are moved after a lawsuit happens and you lose that lawsuit, which is always possible, a lot of foreign countries will cooperate with American court orders to repatriate that foreign money back into the United States. So I just wanted to mention that. Okay, now I have a list of caveats, a list of things to be aware of, and none of these are... Exhaustive. I mean, there are a whole lot of more things to watch out for and when you're in a foreign country than what I'm about to say here. But just wanted to mention a few of them that I'm aware of. And this is in no particular order, but we Americans kind of take clean air for granted. And I've been in some other countries where, like, for example, New Delhi, India. After a few days in New Delhi, I was just coughing all the time and Even on a clear sky, you can look across the city and just see this brown haze. And I've since read that New Delhi, India is very, very polluted. Same thing in Thailand. I remember when I was in Thailand many years ago, I flew in and my timing was all messed up. And so I woke up at 5 a.m. wide awake, went out to the hotel balcony, and I was looking out over the street there, which was empty except for one little scooter goes down the street and belches out this big, huge clouds of dark blue smoke. And that was at 5 a.m. And later on in the day, that same street was filled with all these little scooters, each one of them polluting the air just as much. And so that was Bangkok. I don't want to limit it to those two cities, but uh, there are a lot of cities out in the world that you'll just get the feeling you're not breathing as clearly and you, you start coughing a lot. Here's another one that was kind of funny. I flew to uh, Bali, Indonesia for the weekend and and got a a really nice deal, like $3 a night, seriously, for a beach bungalow. And I went off to sleep and then like 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning, I hear this in the room. I woke up, turned on the light. All right, what did I just hear? And a gecko had crawled into the room, and that's the noise they make. And, and so, anyway, that's something else to look out for. It, it wasn't dangerous or anything, but it was just kind of a different experience. Bidets are something that I've talked about having a travel bidet instead of loading up on a whole bunch of toilet paper. Every once in a while in the world as you travel, don't be surprised to go into a hotel restroom Or a condo restroom or whatever and seeing a toilet there and next to it is something else that looks kind of like a toilet. But part of you thinks, is that a drinking fountain or something? And no, that's a bidet aside from having to sit around and dry off. I do think bidets leave you cleaner, but that's something to get to know. Also getting sick in a foreign country is a special problem. I've talked in this podcast before about. A big mistake I made in Honduras, which was eating salad at a uh, Honduran restaurant right before I got onto the plane, and I got really sick, diarrhea to the point of getting dehydrated. It was really bad. And speaking of Honduras, that was another big mistake I made in my travels: is going zip lining in Honduras. At one point, I was zip lining, and I looked down and. there might have been a drop of like three to five hundred feet. It was absurd. And I was thinking, what am I doing here (laughs) in Honduras? Ziplining where I could easily fall and and I'm just toast or stuck in a uh, wheelchair for the rest of my life. That was a dumb thing for me to do, ziplining in Honduras. Thailand, crowds on the street. I'll never forget just walking down the street of Bangkok and... One guy comes up and tries to sell me something. I say, no, thanks. And then I look behind and there are like two or three people following me, trying to sell me other stuff. And, and then after a while in Bangkok, it was getting absurd. There were like 10 people following me around. Everybody's trying to sell me junk. And I finally just said, no. And I started getting rude about it, which I'm not a rude person, but this was getting absurd. And you jump into a taxi and say, Hey, bring me to that place. And they say, sure. And then they stop at some jewelry store, and they say, that we just have to stop here first, just real quick. I'm not a big jewelry guy, but I, I got really sick of this. Taxis stopping at jewelry stores before taking me on to my destination. I talked about my trip to India. Here's another thing that kind of makes me worried in retrospect. I needed some cash, and I was asking around, where's the nearest ATM machine? And somebody told me, it's over there, Okay. So I went to the ATM, got about $50 American cash, or actually it might have been the local Indian currency, you know, $50 worth. Just put it in my pocket, turned around, and there were a couple of guys following me. And I'm a little bit taller than the average American, much less your average Indian. And so it was weird. These were not very tall people, but two of them turned into like 10 people and it turned into like 15 and then 20 were just following me because everybody apparently saw me leave an ATM with a bunch of cash. And I knew at least enough street smarts to know that I needed to just keep on walking, not act scared and not turn around and say, hey, what are you guys following me for? No, no, I just kept on walking towards where there was a whole lot of people, you know, like a marketplace or whatever. And eventually this crowd following me just dispersed. But that's something to keep in mind. When I approached the ATM machine, there was nobody there. So that happens. I was on another trip in Bali. We took a tour and monkeys there like to uh, just grab sunglasses. They like grabbing things from people. And their cuteness, in my opinion, plummeted at, at that point i didn 't get anything stolen, but I was near some other people who got some uh, sunglasses stolen and, and hats stolen. And, you know just they just reach out and grab them. I was in uh, Paris once, took the uh, subway it was pretty crowded, The same guy was bumping up against me, and I get off the subway and the big crowd again, and he 's still bumping up against me and I do feel this hand right around my rear end and he wasn't copping a feel, he was reaching for my wallet. So you need to be aware of pickpockets, so wherever there's a crowd. I did not get pickpocketed, but I know for a fact that guy was trying to pickpocket me. At one point I was traveling through London and I got, of all things, German measles and I just went to the emergency room of the local London hospital and uh, it was actually pretty good care. I think it was free. Got some pills that took care of the problem, but that was another episode of not a very pleasant traveling experience for me. When you're in Muslim countries, it might be a stop on a city tour or whatever. But if you go into a mosque to just look around, you need to be fully dressed. Beach attire doesn't cut it, so might be a good idea to just stay out of the mosque. Speaking of Muslim countries. Different Muslim countries have different customs, but it does take a little getting used to. If you have a wife traveling with you or a girlfriend, their treatment of women is not very good, in my opinion. And wherever there's a king or a queen, saying anti-monarch comments is a real no-no. I remember when I was in Bangkok... I was advised, just don't say anything about the king. Not that I would anyway, but if you ever read anything and you're tempted to say, boy, that king is really full of it, don't say that. Regarding dual citizenship, I wanted to mention a few caveats there as well. Even if you find a country that is dual citizenship compatible with the United States, the fact that you're also a citizen of another country does obligate you to a special set of rules that that country has that govern their own citizens. So you need to be aware of all these rules or as many as you can. But the main one that I would caution people is if you become a dual citizen of some countries, they might force you into the draft. You would think, wait a minute, I I was just trying to get another passport, but there are some legal obligations that every country has for their citizens. And one of those is sometimes you have to serve in the army. Israel is a great example. If you think, well, I'm too old to serve in the military, so I'm going to go ahead and get a dual citizenship with that country and also for the rest of my family. But what happens if your teenage son gets to be the age of where he can be drafted? You know, So that's something else to keep in mind. Also, the United States State Department has stated they, they will be less able to help U.S. citizens in foreign countries if they're in trouble if the U.S. citizen also has a dual citizenship with another country. Also, being a dual citizen with another country besides the United States might cause you a problem in getting a job with the United States government or a private government contractor. So keep that in mind as well. And here's another caveat, FBAR, Foreign Bank Account Registration. If there's ever a day of the year that your bank account balance etc 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 everything all told totals $10,000 or more during that calendar year then you will have to file a foreign bank account registration form with the United States government also known as the FinCEN form 114 so keep that in mind as well if it's $10,000 or more at any time during the year you have to file this form i'm suspicious that that might cause the IRS to take a second look at your tax return, but uh, maybe that's just me. A lot of people who have dealt with this form in the past say that it's not an automatic red flag, but it's something to keep in mind. I wanted to go down a list of countries that I think might have been good in the past, but they are too expensive now. And If you're thinking about ever setting up shop there or becoming a dual citizen there or buying property there, it might be too late. But there are some neighbors nearby that uh, in some cases might be just as good. I'm talking about Switzerland and Singapore and the Cayman Islands, but there are some inexpensive neighbors of these countries. Portugal, Poland, Hungary, Montenegro, Specifically, I think Montenegro. I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes the next Monaco. Not necessarily anytime soon, but it's a beautiful country. Some other countries that are good neighbors to Switzerland are Cyprus, Serbia, Georgia, and I'm talking about the Republic of Georgia, not Georgia where Atlanta is. Regarding the Cayman Islands, it's too expensive there now, but there are some neighbors that might make sense. Dominica, St. Lucia, Grenada, St. Kent's and Nevis. Now, regarding Singapore, which I think is too expensive now, Malaysia is right next door, and I think Kuala Lumpur might be the next Singapore. The medical care in Kuala Lumpur is excellent. The prices are not so bad. I'd like to just mention Vietnam, which is kind of nearby Singapore. In my studies, I've just read and heard very often that When an American expat moves to Vietnam, a lot of times they don't even get to know their kitchen in their apartment or condo because it's so cheap to eat out in Vietnam. I've heard that several places. Speaking of competitors to Singapore, there's the Philippines, there's Thailand, there's also Cambodia and Taiwan. All right. There are a few special cases I wanted to talk about. This is just after having researched this a lot. Turkey. This is a special case. They have a citizenship by investment and it's $250,000 US. If you buy a condo there or a house, real estate in Turkey at that value or on up, then you can get citizenship and a passport in Turkey. Not everyone would want to be a dual citizen of a Muslim country, even a secular Muslim country like Turkey. If you don't have any reservations, let me just throw out these names here. Martin O'Connor was an American tourist in 2014. He bought a little trinket that he thought was a pretty cool-looking knife with some Arabic writing on it. He was detained at the airport and thrown in jail, and then a pretty ugly prison because that trinket he thought was so harmless, the Turkish government thought that was a very rare and important item that should not be leaving the country. He eventually got out, but Martin O'Connor is his name. You can look him up. Also, the movie Midnight Express, of course, that guy was involved with trying to smuggle some hash out of Turkey. But the image that that movie portrays As far as the country of Turkey and Turkish people is very subpar. In fact, the producers of that movie have apologized to Turkey because it portrays Turkish people in such a bad light. It might be something to educate yourself on Turkey by watching Midnight Express for what it's worth. All right. Here's another thing. Malaysia. It's still inexpensive and it's beautiful country. It's becoming more first world every year. Malaysia's health care is excellent, and it might be worthy of medical tourism. It's so good and so reasonably priced over in Malaysia. In fact, medical tourism and dental tourism are issues that might come up in a later episode of the Survival in Motion podcast, because the deals you can get on medical work and dental work outside of the United States are exceptional. And Malaysia has some excellent, excellent medical care that is not very expensive at all. Here's another special case I wanted to mention, the country of Mexico. A lot of the expat community out there on YouTube and in blogs talks about Mexico as a great destination to have a dual citizenship. And I don't mean for this to sound racist, and it's not racist, but As far as I'm concerned, save your breath. Don't try to convince me to become a dual citizen of Mexico, although I've heard a lot of good things about Mexico City and Carataro, I believe. But I've been to Mexico too many times when I've seen and experienced tourist ripoffs, corrupt police, and I've read too much about the drug trade, which is growing more and more in Mexico. It's All this has turned me off to Mexico. Also, when I was in college, I had a quick trip to Tijuana, and I believe many American college students do. That pretty much turned me off to Mexico forever. So I'm sorry. If you like Mexico, more power to you, but it's something that I'm not very eager to sign up with. My husband and wife and Tangerine Travels, I think it's called, they talked about a lot of the tourist scams in the Cancun area. And then I tuned into another YouTube video. They were traveling through uh, the Yucatan area, and sure enough, they experienced the same scams. So I'm really down on Mexico right now. Okay, I've got a bunch of videos I'd want to refer you to watch on various issues discussed in the episode today. And I'll have links in the show notes of this episode. The first is Vadi Bakum, who I really like. He's discussing how everyone in America is being accused of being racist. That's Vadi Bakum, Robert Kiyosaki, and Stansbury regarding escape plan, escape from the United States. Robert Kiyosaki also had a great video at the Nomad Capitalist YouTube channel where he discussed leaving the United States with only three days notice. There's another great video I really like of the cost of living in Malaysia. Here's another one. What $100 gets you in Vietnam? Here's another video of the cost of living in the Republic of Georgia. Here's another video on moving to Bangkok. And I've got a long list of video producers I really like, and I'd like to refer them to you. If you're interested in the subject for further research, nomadcapitalist.com, Nomad Capitalist. This is excellent and worthy of binge-watching offshore citizen citizenship quickly our rich journey remember that was the example of the two young americans who moved to portugal snail travelers that's a great video channel especially on malaysia how to expat is really good on central and south america kale mcmartin is great on colombia panama relocation tours Watching a few of those will make you want to retire as soon as possible to Panama. My PI Dream, obviously that's the Philippines, it's a great channel. Live and invest overseas is great. Two Expats Mexico. I still watch them even though I'm not interested in becoming a dual citizen in Mexico. Tangerine Travels. I really liked their videos on the ripoffs in Mexico. Scary Harry. S-K-E-R-R-Y, Harry, H-A-R-R-Y. These are very professionally made videos on expat issues. Another channel is Expats Everywhere. Here's another one that's more pessimistic called Doug Casey's Take. Here's another one called The Single Dad Nomad. Here's another one just on traveling in general, Drew Binsky. This guy is a 20-something world traveler, and his whole channel, I think, is very worthy of binge-watching just for the travel videos he's posted. Here's another one called Tales from the Road, and this is another great travel YouTube video worthy of binge-watching. And there's also Traveling with Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, and this is great for advice from a digital nomad to other digital nomads. Again, it's called Traveling with Kristen. And another YouTube channel I wanted to refer you to is Nomad X. Here are some good services I've come across. NNUimmigration.com, SovereignMan.com, NomadCapitalist.com, and DualCitizenship.com. Okay. Hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Survival in Motion podcast on expat prepping. In conclusion... I want to say securing foreign passports and visas as a means of leaving the United States if things here get so bad that it becomes unsafe to stay here. This is a huge Prepper issue. I've not heard of other Prepper podcasts or websites addressing this issue, but I hope that changes. If there's one thing that we've learned in the summer of 2020, it's that things can get really bad here in the United States as opposed to the rest of the world. They can get bad here while the rest of the world seems to be doing okay. So if the riots that happened in the summer of 2020 come back and they get way out of hand, then this is an issue that you're going to need to think about. And the time to think about this issue is now before it's too late. This episode of the Survival in Motion podcast is not meant to be a definitive list of issues and service providers to consider on this issue but this is only an attempt to wet your appetite on the subject of expat prepping. I, for one, will pursue this issue much more in the future, and I suggest that you do too. Anyway, I hear the music. That means our time is up. Thank you for joining me. God bless.